And hello, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday Night's Narrative, Better Late Than Never. It's 7.30 on the East Coast, 4.30 on the West Coast. This is a Narrative Live special report. We're looking at January 6th, the untold story, as has been revealed by these new subpoenas just out today and yesterday from the January 6th committee. Helping us do that, Sandy Bacon, the legendary, we've just been told, uh, reporter who's been covering Jan 6. And really, you are a legend. And thank you very much for being with us tonight, Sandy. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I needed that. I was in a bad mood. That's great. We'll cheer you up. Don't you worry about that. It's a a cheerful evening around here. That's for sure. Especially with all the tech problems we're having now that we've succumbed (laughs) them. I feel like everything is achievable. Joe Dempsey's here as well. How are you, Joe? Nice to see you again. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm so glad that both of you are here because there's a lot to unpack. You know, there was five subpoenas today that came down around 5 p.m. and then a bunch that came down (laughs) yesterday. And sort of we had plans and sometimes those plans have to be destroyed once, but today they had to be destroyed twice because of the new subpoenas that came down. And they were so important. I really want to dig into what the new ones that came out tonight. And I noticed, you know, the guys on TV don't even have pictures of some of these people. That's how much attention Mm. they've been paying to things like the First Amendment Praetorians. But we have, of course, a ton of file on them. I never heard of him. Ah, I never see, even you haven't paying attention. You got to watch that. I'm the only one here who knows Enrique (laughs) personally. You are the only one, and we want to hear about that. Plus, we want to watch some of your incredible tape. You've got some exclusive tape you're going to be playing for us and sharing with us tonight. And we'll be showing you the real thread that we think is un- is being a thread here, if you will, that there is a connection between the militants, the militia groups that were out there on January the 6th that caused a lot of the damage, that caused a lot of the uh, insurrection, that went into the Congress, that threatened people's lives, that threatened to hang the vice president, that uh, you know did all sorts of horrible things to the building, and the people who organized it which is the Alex Jones, the Roger Stones, the Mike Flynn's of the world. And those people happen mm. to surround Donald Trump. So you can sort of see how the net is tightening, if you will, around Donald Trump. And we'll explain exactly how that all happened when we walk through all these uh, subpoena letters and all the other information we have for you tonight. Joe, let me start with you, though, because you've got this great overarching view. You've done so much investigating into the actual indictments that have happened. What is your sense of where this committee is going and why they're going there? I think, first of all, Representative Raskin is a great follow. If you want to know what's going on, follow Jamie Raskin. Today, he was talking about coordination between some of the more violent groups. And when I hear Raskin say something like coordination and the violent groups, you know he's talking about the people who got subpoenaed today, and that's the Oath Keepers and First Amendment Praetorians, uh, those in the Proud Boys, obviously. If Representative Raskin is talking about coordination among those, What we're really talking about is conspiracy. And I think what we're looking at now with these subpoenas, we're really talking about uh, the people who are uh, in the know and who should be. I think it was August 25th, I think, was one of the first letters from Benny Thompson, the chairman of the January 6th committee. And in that, he outlined over 80 names of people that he wanted to get information from. And I think that letter was to the records keeper at the, the National Archives. In that When I started to see those names, I started to just, you know, after name after name, you start seeing Robert Patrick Lewis and you're like, oh, they know that name. Okay, good. Um, Amy Kramer. Oh, they know that name too. So when I saw what was happening in terms of who they wanted information from, I knew that this committee was at least following the right dots. Now that we start to see subpoenas, it's escalated, right? So it's no longer we need information from those guys. It's we demand information from those guys. We want 
those documents and we need to understand what's going on. And what's interesting is that it's not just the subpoenas that are, you know, they're not just demanding letters, they're outlining what they know about each of these individuals. It's not just, you know, yeah. give us all these documents. It's we already know all the stuff about you. Right. But we'd like the documents as well, which I think is is leading. And I, I don't want to cut you off there, Joe. So finish your thoughts, and then we'll move on to some of this bigger picture stuff that we've got looking here. Yeah, the one that I really paid attention to today was the subpoena for Robert Patrick Lewis, because in mm -hmm. that it talks about December twelfth, and it talks about the Jericho March, and you know that there was information that the First Amendment Praetorians were guarding Mike Flynn uh, during the Jericho March. But December twelfth wasn't just the Jericho March; there was a Proud Boys March as well in yeah. D.C. in December twelfth. So the other part of that is. So much happened on December 12th in that because there's video of Alex Jones going up to Mike Flynn. You can do all of that. You know, we got all of that coming up later. So yeah, save that, save that because that's going to come in, in a bit. I don't want to interrupt you, but we've got to build to that because we've got all this great video that Sandy uh, was able to get to us. And of course, Sandy, this is a big thing of your big theory is that this was not just one day. We now know it wasn't one day. We now know there was a lot of planning that led up to that day. But we also know that there were other events that were rehearsal events, planning events, meetings, all sorts of things led up in the weeks leading up to January the 6th. And that has been something that you've been pushing all along. So tell us a little bit about yeah. why, why you think that's so important. Well, I did, um, I was uh, doing some work for now this news at the time, and I would go and shoot these things and give them my SD cards, and then they would make these remarkable stories out of them. And they did three of them. And the first one was on November 14th. Now, November 14th was the first I think it was called March for Trump, Joe. Was it? It was either. Or the Million MAGA March. A million MAGA. Is I think that? you're right. Yeah. March for Trump was like maybe the second one. But the first one, I think you're right. Million MAGA March. So we went to that. And um, uh, let me back up because something I learned after I got back and I started to do my timeline and stuff. On November 9th, after Trump had lost the election, he fires all the bigwigs in the Pentagon. <laughs> and yeah. he puts in this guy, Chris Miller, and maybe Flynn's brother, Joe Flynn, and Cash Patel, and all these. And everybody's going, what the hell is he doing that for? He lost, right? It's got to be bad, but we didn't know how bad. And my theory is that in Washington, D.C., because it's not a state, the National Guard is subordinate only to the President of the United States, and then to the Secretary of Defense, right? So that was the only way they pulled it off was they had placed all these requests for the National Guard on January 6th and nobody showed up, right? I mean, as you were watching this at home, didn't you kind of wonder where the cops were? I yeah. mean, that was the did anybody one. like occur to anybody? I've been asking people now recently. I mean, I certainly, you know, watching it at home, I thought that they obviously had told them to stand down because that's what they were doing. They were not involved right. in any in any stopping. And that's why on that day, with, by three o'clock, I was saying, you know, we should be impeaching this man again. And, right. you know, that started off a long 10-month investigation here on Narrative that you guys have been involved in and many others have been involved in as we've been unpacking every aspect of what happened on January the 6th. And gladly, I'm happy to say that everything that we have been reporting is turning out to be at least reflected yeah, yeah. in these subpoenas that have come out from yeah, the January 6th yeah. committee. Cool, which is, isn't it? Yeah. it is cool. And, and kudos to everybody involved in this project because everyone from the viewers here who are part of the the fact check team on the show and also uh, give us a lot of the leads to the many researchers and people that like Nelson and others that we, we speak to on a regular basis who've provided so much detailed information to us that we've been able to piece together a pretty reliable look at how this whole thing turned out.
I want to play can some I t- Can I back up? I just, I'm sorry I got sidetracked uh, no. with the uh, Pentagon thing. But so like five days after that, there was this Million Mega March, whatever it was called. And we went down there and there were a lot of MAGAs there with their flags. I mean, mm. thousands of them. I don't know what the final estimate was. And they were marching with these signs that said, stop the steal. And Nick Fuentes was there with his gripers and they were yelling, Christ is King. And all of the people that spoke at these meetings, I missed the Jericho March, damn. Mm. Uh, all the people that spoke, all three of, of the Stop the Steel rallies, January 6th being the third, were all the same people. There was Flynn and Stone and Alex Jones and Nick Fuentes and the woman Kramer. All of them were the same people. And mm. the keynote speakers on January 5th were all the people that Trump pardoned. Right. Interesting. So that's a big point. Flynn. This was the bringing it home, right? January 5th was, nobody's talking about that. That was the two speeches that I shot of uh, Roger Stone and Alex Jones. And they were calling for a holy war. Lots of Jesus talk, right? Like the Crusades. Yeah, we're going to get there. So we're going to get this. A whole dead thought. Yeah. We're building up to that. I want to start off back on back down to uh, the first time we figured out that this was a much bigger plan than just these people who showed up at January 6th. We, there were clear signs that the rest of the GOP was involved in facilitating something called Stop the Steal. They were actively yeah. encouraging people on Fox News and OAN and Newsmax and other places. They were actively pursuing this idea of imposing martial law and actively pursuing this idea of having these new elections called in these states where, where they could question the results. So on February the 8th, I put together this little video. I'm going to play it now because it helps set up where we are today explaining how those events on TV were adding up to something pretty scary and that the pardons, as you just mentioned, were really important. The Roger Stone, Michael Flynn pardons and Steve Bannon pardons all played a role Mm -hmm. in allowing January the 6th to happen because without those guys free, you would never have had January the 6th happen. So here's a little video that we put out on February um, explaining the big theory of January the 6th. I don't want to overplay the the facts here, but if someone will study the president's uh, authority in the Insurrection Act and in the, his ability to impose, impose martial law. President Trump won this election, so everyone who's listening, do not be quiet. Do not be, do not be silent about this. We cannot allow this to happen before our very eyes. Philadelphia elections are crooked as a snake. That every time they close the doors and, and shut out the lights, they always find more Democratic votes. out there talking about martial law it's like it's something that we've never done martial law has been instituted 64 times and we're working uh, closely with congressman mo brooks closely with congressman andy biggs congressman obviously paul gosar my great friend we have to go all the way and that's what's happening and you watch what happens over the next couple of weeks you watch what's going to come out watch what's going to be revealed in the next couple of days i think we're going to see some extraordinary historical moments the uh the truth is going to come out donald trump will continue to be the president of the united states as i told them 20 years ago i tell them again i don't know how this is going to end but if they want to fight they better believe they've got one Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Is that a dark mask? An actual fighter? Kimberly. Yes, have the courage to do the right thing. Fight! 
appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate so hopefully we have this today, right? We shall see. That's the video that's, you know, we put out fe- wow. February the 8th, I think, and it gives you a good sense of even back then. You could see what was happening. You could see that you had the President of the United States agreeing with, participating, saying that he will be there, talking about fighting, and also people like Ali Alexander saying they're getting orders from POTUS. You know, it's mm-hmm. certainly all the congressmen that we've been talking about in the last few days, including Paul Gosar, just recently censured. We know now what he did, and we know now how involved he was on that day. But the, earlier on, then, you know, we had Ali Alexander, who no one had even heard of, describing all these uh, congressmen working closely with him. How important is that information as we're now right. looking at who's responsible for January the 6th? And then you've got these, cool. uh, these tweets from Lauren Bobart telling people where the Speaker of the House was in the middle of, of an insurrection. Also very suspicious tweets. You've got Kevin McCarthy, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, all pushing for a recount oh, or a redo of the elections on Fox News. You know? So you've got this machine that's, that was launched right after the election towards probably December to really move the electorate into believing that the election was stolen and uh can, can i um uh on december 12th video that i did a QAnon woman was up by the um washington monument and um she says verbatim what flynn just said oh yeah in your video he said general flynn said that uh, president trump needs to call martial law and we need to have and the election was stolen as we know and this is the 12th of december and uh, we need to have a new election overseen by the military. Mm-hmm. And then I said, or you could move to Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth is, I, that's what they were planning to do. I mean, this is the, this yeah, was the plan. The and there's people, no other way to look at but, it. But what fascinates me, because I've interviewed so many MAGAs and QAnons, mm-hmm. is that they spit out verbatim what the talking points that mm-hmm. Flynn is, you know, because I think Flynn is one of the cues anyway. But they'll drop the information and then they, these people sop it up and regurgitate it absolutely and they uh, do it verbatim what these well, guys are saying well trained apparently apparently they've you know they've learned that Zaya. they have to listen and it's a very loyal bunch i mean i gotta say that they they hold ranks pretty pretty closely together yeah it's interesting that the first instance i could find of these stop the steal kind of arrangements being discussed was Roger Stone on, on Alex Jones's uh, radio show on Infowars? The first clip you heard in that piece there was them talking about in the, the Insurrection Act, and it was all being plotted on and discussed live on the air on Infowars. Insurrection all places. Act, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is not, this was done in plain sight by everybody. The yeah. end theory, you know, this is the one the chart I've referred to many, many times that someone's gone through some iterations. But at the end of the day, we had Roger Stone, who basically raised the militia, who helped at least start up the Proud Boys and others like it, who has worked with the Oath Keepers, whose tides are, you know, are with all these organizations, including the First Praetorians. You got Alex Jones, who I called the Ministry of Propaganda, who through basically Infowars was able to educate and, you know, lie to an entire half a nation about what they should be doing and how they should be getting ready for January the 6th. Michael Flynn, who really is the QAnon guy, but also now it emerges, you know, the president's in waiting, it seems, maybe even for the insurrection once it happens. And then you've got Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell who were there to set the lie. Now, I don't believe Rudy's been uh, handed a subpoena yet. Has he? I don't think he has. No, they're going to put, they're going to come in and he's going to just go to... 
right but to trial. <laughs> Sydney Powell's name comes up a fair amount. And uh, you were able to dig up today a really interesting thing, Joe, the, from uh, RPL. And people don't know who RPL is, so maybe we should back up and say uh, that there were three big letters that went out today to three different militia-type groups. One was the Proud Boys, one was the Oath Keepers, and one was the First Amendment Praetorians that is led by a guy named Robert Patrick Lewis. And why don't we take it slowly and go through each of these individually? Let's start off with the Proud Boys. You know them really well, Sandy. You know the I leadership do. of the Proud Boys. You followed them around. It's certainly not the first time. You put two of them in jail. You put, you put two <laughs> of them in jail? How did that happen? Yeah. Didn't you know that? I didn't know that. That's Tell us how that happened. That's why they hate happened. me so much. Yeah. Well, I just happened to be at the Republican Club a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. When um, Gavin McGinnis was going to be speaking there, you know, I got into all this in Charlottesville. I knew nothing about white supremacy or the Proud Boys or anything. I got the only video of Enrique in Charlottesville when he said he wasn't there. I got a video of him before I knew who he was. And um, the Proud Boys all went to this Republican club and they filed in and they filed out and we followed them. I wasn't, it wasn't just me. They had a big fight, a street brawl, and Cy Vance decided that he was going to prosecute them, and he really went after them, and there was no victim. There was a fight between Antifa, counter-protesters, whoever they were, and it was a vicious brawl, and I got the video. I got the, you know, oh, you the did. video. Well done. Yeah. So tell us about uh, Enrique Tarrio. He was not actually there on January the 6th. He was under arrest again. This time this he was under arrest. This is really... He was under arrest me. for no, I, uh, basically no. burning a, a Black Lives Matter banner, right? And so he I was not allowed on that day to be yeah. uh, at the uh, Capitol on January the 6th. Yeah, but on December 12th. Well. There were two magazines as well. He had brought two um, weapon magazines. Oh, magazines. Yeah, high capacity. Yeah, yes, it was right. a weird so bust. That was part of that uh, arrest as well on the 4th. Yeah, but it was a weird bust. It was. I was always suspicious of it because, because of what I witnessed on December 12th, how he held dominion over these guys there was thousands of them we've never seen so many in one place as on december 12th and it was a very violent night there were four stabbings involving mm. crowd boys that night and uh, a friend of mine photographer got one of them and he didn't even see the knife till he looked at the pictures afterwards <laughs> like i was holding it up but enrique would they would you know wander around the city and they would go up to the washington monument and you know fuck antifa and you know fuck joe biden and, and then they would kneel and they would pray and i likened it to that scene in glory you know where they're going off to battle and they're you know they're clapping and they're saying spirituals and stuff and they were praying like they were going to go to battle and he, a couple of them would wander off and he would snap them back i'd never seen anything like him. he was like a kindergarten teacher mm-hmm. <laughs> and they would go off and, and, and he would bring said. them back in and he was in charge of them so that arrest it was always suspicious to me i think in retrospect and i thought so at the time that they took him out of commission yeah they there must was have a taken, they, they and because because he always uh, Roger Stone's security and yeah. all of a sudden the Oath Keepers show up uh, interesting the so the Proud Boys were not disappointed they were not uh, no, protecting they him were not, interesting. no they always everywhere they went he's Roger's guy so Tario gets even though he wasn't there on January the 6th even he wasn't there in the Capitol he got his own little subpoena letter today from the committee which was interesting to me I couldn't believe that that's actually you know you could even do that to someone who wasn't there and the reasoning that they're saying that they did that was because on January the 4th 
They say you were arrested for the December 12th, 2020 burning of a Black Lives Matter banner, as you just described, mm -hmm. and barred from entering the District of Columbia on the following days. Though you were prevented from participating in the events of the United States Capitol on January the 6th, to date, at least 34 individuals affiliated with the Proud Boys have been indicted yeah. by the Department of Justice in relation to the attack of the United States Capitol. Certain indictments returned against Proud Boys members describe prior planning and coordination, including efforts to fundraise for protective gear and communications. Furthermore, mm -hmm. video evidence plainly demonstrates that the Proud Boy members are involved in the January the 6th attack. So again, you're seeing the buildup of a plan of coordination. This is what they're doing. They're building a conspiracy. Um, in fact, yes. it was a conspiracy. They're revealing a conspiracy in, theirs, in these subpoena letters. And it's so significant that they're doing it in these subpoena letters. They obviously don't expect too much of this yeah. to come out in any public hearings yeah. or these guys showing up with any confessions. But that is what they're doing, and that's why these subpoenas are so significant that we're seeing them today. There was another letter for the Proud Boys. And, Joe, I don't know if you know very much about this because it was new to me. It was not to anyone I'd – I mean, unless it's a pseudonym. you Maybe it's a pseudonym. Do you know who this guy is that was uh, named here? It's uh, Mr. Van Dyke. Oh, that's their lawyer. That's the lawyer, yeah. Ah, Jason okay. Van Dyke. Yeah. He threatened to Jason. sue me, the bastard. Well, he threatened to sue me. <laughs> now you have two connections to the today's subpoenas because <laughs> – I mean, it's yeah, kind of fascinating that this has come out. Lawyer. There has not yeah. been a place you could actually find the Proud Boys. Up until now, they've existed as an entity, and, but not really no, he, as a legal entity. They, so they've, they, now they've discovered this legal entity. Yeah. Yeah. There's been no one years. to sue, put it that way. There's no one, yeah. you know, if you and I wanted to sue the Proud guy, Boys, Nordine, we couldn't do it. That guy, Nordine, that letter you have, I haven't seen the letter. Uh, I was at the Ellipse at like 9.30 in the morning, and at about 10.15, the Proud Boys come up, Nordine's one of them, and, and a Pozzola is there, and all of the guys that were in the first breach of the Capitol show up, not just as Proud Boys. I knew them because, you know, they go, roo, roo. And uh, they were wearing orange hats, and Nordine and Joe Biggs, and all the, you know, all the guys that were. So they, it was a kind of a small group, maybe 30 of them. And then they started marching towards the Capitol, and I followed them. But I wanted to get back to the ellipse because I wanted to hear Trump speak at 11, but he was an hour late, deliberately. He right. gave them cover. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to that in a second, because I just want to read these two things that I have been mentioned here by the committee in this Proud Boys International document. So basically, they're saying that he is the only Mr. Van Dyke here. So it says here that the investigation of public records has revealed credible evidence of the involvement of the Proud Boys in the events within the scope of the Select Committee's inquiry. You have been identified as in reporting as the Proud Boys attorney. You also reportedly served as chairman of the Proud Boys in 2018. You've been identified in reporting as the former owner of the Proud Boys trademark, which you surrendered uh -huh. in February 2021. Yes. JLVD Holdings, LLC, which corresponds to your initials, is listed as the last director of Proud Boys International, LLC, before its disillusion mm -hmm. on February 10th, 2021. As you appear to be the last record holder of Proud Boys International, the Select Committee seeks relevant records in your possession. And it goes on to say that Mr. Um, uh, indictments returned on the federal jury in Washington, D.C., indicate the Proud Boys engaged in extensive calls for violence leading up to January the 6th, 2021. On November the 5th, 2020, 
Joe Biggs, a Proud Boys member indicted by the Department of Justice, posted on social media, it's time for fucking war in, if they steal this shit, referring to the 2020 election results. Mr. Biggs mm-hmm. also claims on a Proud Boy live stream show called The War Boys that government officials are evil scum and they all deserve to die a traitor's death. Ethan Nordine, mm-hmm. a Proud Boys official, also indicted by the DOJ, responded, yep, mm. day of the rope, referring to the day of mass lynching of race traitors Ooh. in the white supremacist mm. novel The Turner Diaries. Shortly <gasps> before January the 6th, Mr. Nordine said in, on his podcast, when police officers or government officials are breaking the law, what are we supposed to do as the people? Discourse? What are we supposed to debate? No, you have mm. to use force. So this is wow. uh, this is quite something. They have everything. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Joe. They've got it there's, all. There's so much in there. I mean, first, mm-hmm. the lawyer, he's no longer a Proud Boy or was kicked out of the Proud Boys in some manner kicked because down. of the dispute over the trademark of the Proud Boys. But uh, also what he did was he kind of doxed all of the elders or whatever, you know, the leadership of the Proud Boys. He had released their information and, and sort of doxed them, but also sent out the bylaws of what the Proud Boys were. So you could see in this bylaw document sort of the different levels of Proud Boy. You could become like a fourth level Proud Boy or an elder and depending on what you did. So if you got into a fight with Antifa and you've... Oh, hand to hand. Yeah, Proud that Boys, was the fourth you level. You would be yeah. recognized as a, you know, leveling up within the Proud Boys. So there's so much right. within that. The other part that's really striking to me, and it, it just really strikes a nerve with me, is is the day of the rope, the lynchings, the gallows that was set up on January right. 6th. And the thing that bothers me so much about Rand Paul, and there's so much to bother somebody about Rand Paul, yeah. was the fact that he voted against the Emmett Till bill that would have made lynching a federal crime. Mm. So had yeah. they succeeded in lynching Mike Pence that day, uh. it wouldn't have been a federal crime. Wow. Which, you know, Rand Paul was the reason for that. So that's going to be really interesting. We'll get to the Oath Keepers in a bit because they're the second group that we, we really need to discuss. But before we do that, you mentioned this videotape. And let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Sandy, I was going to ask you to walk us through that incredible tape you have of the morning of January the 6th when we, you were with the Proud Boys. You've been describing it to us just a few seconds ago. Yeah, yeah that's it's a, a really interesting tape because they're all there. All, yeah, all, all the same people that we've just been dieted. describing yeah. Yeah, have, are there. Yeah. And we'll be able to go through it really slowly and take a look at what it's like, what, they, what the mood was like on uh, January the 6th mm-hmm. on that morning as they were beginning to prepare for you know, truly a historic day in American history. We'll be right back after this. Hey friends, thank you for supporting Narrative and our sponsors. What's easier than opening a can of cranberry sauce? Getting free life insurance quotes with Policy Genius, of course. If you're looking for something to do while the family is running a turkey trot, you can be just as productive by comparing quotes from top life insurers with Policy Genius. Why Policy Genius? Well, Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. And why compare? Well, you could save 50% off more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius thousands of five-star reviews across Trustpilot and Google. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. This exclusive policy was recently rated number one by Forbes Advisor, higher than options from Ladder, Ethos, and Bestow. This is how it works. Getting started is really easy. First, you head to policygenius.com. In a minute, you can work out how much life insurance you coverage you need. And from there, you can compare personalized quotes to find out your best price. 
It's as simple as that. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling all for free. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. And welcome back. I don't have that tape. I can't get access to it right now. So we'll get to watch it a little later on. But let's okay. move on to discuss uh, the other groups of uh, subpoenas that came out today. Um, and I think the best place to go to next is is the Oath Keepers. Now, the Oath Keepers are an interesting group. I mean, they they have at their core, Stuart Rhodes is their leader. Stuart Rhodes is a guy who's very well educated, comes from an Ivy School education, was a Rhodes Scholar, if I'm not mistaken, also worked for Ron Paul in his oh. past. So, you know, he comes from, as you just mentioned, Rand Paul, Ron's his father. So it's interesting that the name Ron Paul comes up in that. Um, Joe, why don't you tell us a little about who the Oath Keepers are and why they are so significant to the so, January the 6th investigation? You know, earlier on in the show, we were talking about the Insurrection Act. Stuart Rhodes has been talking about the Insurrection Act since about 2009. Mm-hmm. He's been talking about this since he started the Oath Keepers. Um, it is an interesting group. There's, I mean, we've we've talked about, you know, some of the things that they've done after, you know, Hurricane, I believe Hurricane Katrina, they went down and, you know, sort of working with people trying to help and do some of those things. But they also, you know, were out the Bundy Ranch, being out on the Bundy Ranch and combating against the FBI and sort of, you know, getting them out of there and, and doing the things that they did seem to be stepping stones to what's happening now. It seems like they're, everything that they've done in the past seems to have been building towards this moment. Another thing that happened when they were out on the Bundy Ranch was Stuart Rhodes did a, a speech for, I believe it was Ammon Bundy in support of him and had on the stage with him a guy named Sheriff Richard Mack. And he is the leader of the CSPOA, I believe it's the Constitutional Sheriff's Police Officers um, Association. Mm -hmm. So all the sheriffs and some of the things that are happening within the the sheriff community um, who are talking about, you know, let's get voting machines. I believe Darleaf was a person in Michigan, if you recall, during the the issues with Gretchen uh, Whitmer, their governor. Um, that was a constitutional sheriff. So he came from conversations that emanated from Oath Keepers. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative. And stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.